now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. And welcome to Mother Angelica Answering the Call. Well, the truth is never on hold. I'm Doug Keck. Here with our chaplain, Father Joseph Mary Wolf, as we listen to Mother take on some questions and concerns on her classic television program that she hosted so popularly back in the 80s and the 90s. Again, Mother Angelica answering the call. Great to be with you, Father. And with you, too. And, you know, we were talking the other night uh, at the Friary during dinner, and I was saying, you know, every day that we're on the air is a victory. When you think about it, because today's all that we have And if we can proclaim the gospel one more day all over the world, what a tremendous opportunity that is. And so we're so grateful to be able to present some of the perennial teachings of Mother, which come from the gospels, of course. She loved the scriptures, and she taught from them. Absolutely. And and her insights, pithy insights into so many issues that are still current today. Our topics today, we have to cling to Jesus. How the angels fight, that should be interesting. (laughs) How dry times are the best times, I gotta hear that answer. And starting Mm -hmm. off, how do I know suffering has value? Now that's one that I think most Mm -hmm. people suffer through. Definitely, that's a struggle, you know, and it's interesting because Pope John Paul II, he says, animals suffer in a way, but not like human beings because we're questioning in the midst of our suffering. The animals are trying to escape from it, of course, and to survive. But for us, we ponder these things. What's the meaning of this? What's the significance of this? Does this have value, as this you know, viewer asks Mother? And what does Mother do? She shows the cross, her profession cross, that she would wear on her cord and uh, the crucifix. And so there's where we come to know and to understand suffering is that the Son of God himself has suffered to show us that it has value. Don't you think that's one of the biggest problems in, in today's society where the avoidance of pain is like number one, whether it's uh, mm-hmm. uh, people running away from situations or taking medications or any kind of thing like that? The idea that if, if you have suffering, there's something wrong. There's even the health and wealth gospel that, mm-hmm. you know, if you really right. got a good prayer life and you love the Lord, mm-hmm. then you shouldn't have problems. Yeah, and that's not, you know, that's the question that the book of Job raises in the Old Testament. Why do the innocent suffer? And the answer to that is Jesus, who is the innocent one who suffered. And so like Mother says, we're being united with Christ. We're sharing in what he went through. And the proof that God loves us is that we're here. We don't have to exist, but we do. And if we do, it means God loves us. And if we're suffering, it means, well, he's permitting it for some greater good, and we really can trust him. It's really for our own growth in many cases, whether we like it or not. How do I know suffering has value? Mother Angelica. Hello? Hello, Mother. Hi. This is Bernard from Pittsburgh. Where are you? Hello. Somewhere, huh? Ah, somebody pulled the wrong button. Uh, okay, does we, oh, we know his question, okay. His question's about how do I know suffering has value? What do you know? We know it because of Jesus. Yeah. You know, this is my profession cross. Beautiful. 
It's uh, ebony and brass. I know suffering has value because of him. Because if he had to go through this to save me, and then it's worth it. See? It's all worth it. Because he suffered for my salvation, for my redemption, that I would have the Eucharist, that I would have the Mass. I mean, there's so many sacraments. You see, a lot of us think that suffering is an evil. No, it's a good. Because then I'm like Jesus. Some of you don't realize, I keep telling my sisters at lesson, dryness, what's dryness? Dryness is, is uh, when you go to pray and you don't feel like praying and you're kind of bored, and then you read and you're bored reading and you look out the window and there's nobody there. And you do all these things, see. What are you doing? You're running away from suffering. And why does God allow that? He wants you to love with a pure love. See, everybody here, everybody there wants to be loved with a pure love. You don't want anybody that has to love you. It's forced to love you. No. So if you don't feel consolations from God, that's a good sign. Oh, I don't like your signs. Well, you got any other? You got something other you want to share? Consolations are from God. It's like going through the desert and you get a little oasis, huh? But you got to persevere. You know, if, if the Son of God had to go through all of this, how come you think you can go from heaven to heaven? Hmm? You know what our Lord said to poor Adam? From now on, you will plant and you will reap weeds. Mm. Apparently, he planted before and reaped a lot of fruit. You must persevere in loneliness, in desolation, in, in your, your problems. And they all pass. They all pass, you know. And you can say, oh, God's not hearing me. Hey, he's the only one that does. God hears you. He just said no. This man was an atheist and his little daughter wanted a bicycle for Christmas. And he purposely didn't buy it for her. So she ran down thinking she's going to have the bicycle and it wasn't there. He said, see, I told you God wouldn't give you that bicycle. He didn't answer your prayer. He said, oh, yes, he did. He said, no, he didn't. Yeah, he said no. <laughs> See, for a small child, he said no. She got an answer. Now, if you say, well, I need assurance that God loves me, you've got to be kidding You wouldn't be here if he didn't love you. He chose you to be from all eternity, before time began. He chose you by name, by looks, by temperament, 
by place, by the certain age you're there. He chose you before time began. And you're saying he doesn't love you? Did the father love his son when he was like this? Did he? Of course he did. His son was redeeming all of mankind. Say, well, it doesn't feel good. Do you think this felt good? Do you think being so torn apart and crucified that he felt good? No. What we're doing, huh, is trying to imitate Jesus. Well, he didn't feel good. He suffered terrible. And even during his lifetime, he said, birds of the air have nets, and foxes have holes. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Don't you think that was suffering? Don't you think after thousands of years, you decided to come and there's no more to greet you? <laughs> Do you ever think of going and visit somebody and you look forward to it? Oh, and you do your best, and you wait, and wait, wait, and you finally get there, and nobody even says, hi, hi. How would you feel? See? Well, all of that he did just for you. And continuing along, Father, we have how dry times are the best times. Mm -hmm. And those are the times most of us think, uh, what's wrong with my prayer life? Yeah, and may even just abandon the prayer life because, well, where's the consolation? If I'm not getting consolations, then prayer has no value. Well, Mother says we're missing the boat on that one, really, because we're learning to pray and to love God without receiving or not perceiving that we're receiving. Of course, we're always receiving, and that's why she says the dry times are the best times because actually there's more going on within us that we're not perceiving necessarily, but there's some great work that God is doing within us. Yeah, also I think, I know Mother many would talk about the idea of her, her times in suffering and in the dryness, that those were the times she knew that God was really working on her. Mm -hmm. and, and in some ways, it forces us to rely that much more on the Lord and to have that kind of trust and faith, right? We're having to really believe, like St. Therese at the end of her life, she said, I have no consolations. My only consolation is that I have to trust him more. And so there's really a genuineness to our prayer in those times. There's a genuineness to our trust and our faith because we're not perceiving anything, even though God, as you said, is working. Right. And the second half, uh, there was a question about uh, mortal versus venial sin, uh, mm -hmm. and Mother kind of gives an answer uh, indicating the grievous nature versus not as grievous. Right. So it's those three categories, right, that it has to be grievous matter, something serious, and that we have to know that it is serious, and then we do it with our will. So we choose to do it nonetheless. That's where mortal sin is. We all struggle with different things and... Uh, but uh, that's the distinction. Absolutely, and that's where confession comes in, and we need it. How dry times are the best times. We have a question from the audience. Hello? Hi, Mother Angelica? Yes, where are you from? Um, Turner's Falls, Massachusetts. And what, what can I do for you? Um, I have two questions. I'm just returning to the Catholic Church after about 10 years. Praise God. 
<laughs> and um, my first question is, when you're having a personal prayer time with Jesus, how can you keep from having a dry time, like repeating yourself over and over and over again? How can you make it more personal of a communication with him? Okay, let me answer that first. First of all, uh, your relationship with Jesus is personal. The second thing is, dry times are the best times. They're not the worst times. And let, let me explain it to you. Everyone wants to be loved for himself. Nobody, not even these children here, want to have anybody forced to love them. They want to be loved for yourself, don't you? Huh? You want somebody to love you, just the way you are. Well, God wants the same thing. He wants you to love him for himself. He wants that love you have to be purified, not just a gimme love, not to use him only for his divine providence, but to love him in his sorrow, in his pain, in his anxiety, in his frustration, in the disappointments he had on, on the earth. He wants you to enter in, in that dryness, that time when he felt abandoned. He wants you to feel what he felt. And, and that time of prayer is the most precious because it, it allows me to imitate Jesus. It allows me to sit there in this dryness and, and give my entire self. It allows me to, to give myself as I am and, and just admit I don't have a decent thought on my own. I must just sit there or kneel there and, and, and just be present to his presence. Now, what's your other question? My second question is, in the catechism book, they had a thing on venial sin and mortal sin. Yeah. What are the differences? Can you give me some examples of venial sin and mortal sin? Okay. Mortal sin is if you commit adultery, if you commit um, abortion, if you covet your neighbor's wife, if you covet your neighbor's goods. This, is, this would be a... If you go rob a bank, this is a mortal sin. It's a grievous matter. And the difference is, it has to be, I, I must know it, I must will it, and it has to be grievous. The differences between mortal sin and venial sin is in the degree. It's not grievous, but it's still an imperfection. For example, when the doorbell rings, and you tell your son to answer the bell and say you're not there. You see, it's not true because you're in the kitchen stirring a pot. That's a venial sin. You, you really haven't, you're lying. Now somebody called that a white lie. What, what, what does it mean it's a white lie? A lie is a lie, you know. Sometimes you're uncharitable. You hurt someone's feelings. It's not a grievous thing, but you hurt their feelings. Now, if I slander or calumniate and ruin a person's reputation, now that can be different. So one is a minor offense. If, if there's anything minor when we offend God, if we offend God, it's to me, if you offend someone you love, you don't think whether it's mortal or venial. You just, you're repentant over the least sin because you don't want to hurt somebody you love. That's the fear of the Lord. I don't want to hurt you, Jesus, because I love you. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio.
Let's return to Mother Angelica. Answering the call. With Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us here for part two of Mother Angelica Answering the Call. Doug Keck here, as always, with our chaplain, Father Joseph Mary Wolf. And here's an interesting topic, how the angels fight. I didn't know they were fighting. Are they still fighting? They are because it's a, a battle regarding the truth, and truth is reality, the way things really are, the way God has created them to be. And I couldn't help but think that we're living in a society today where there's a denial of even the existence of truth, but truth has a power nonetheless, and we should really enlist St. Michael the Archangel and the angels in helping us in this battle today with just even the truths about the reality of the human person, about marriage, about so many different things in society that are just denied that we wouldn't even thought this would happen 50 years ago. Right. It's interesting, too, in a sense of the idea of who is like God, the battle between mm -hmm. uh, Lucifer and, and St. Michael. And, and in some ways, with the way we're redoing things, we think we're God, mm -hmm. that we can recreate creation in our own fashion. And even that we can manipulate the uh, birth of children or the conception of children just in a Petri dish, that's not in accord with human dignity. And so we want to live in accord with God's plan is that a child, a person, should be conceived out of love. So technological advances, yeah, they can do a lot of things, but should we do them? That's the moral question. Should we do them even if we can do them? And the answer to a number of these things is no, it's not in accord with human dignity. Right, and I also thought it was interesting that Mother brought up the idea of intellectual battles including one that's not that intellectual, but very popular here, Auburn versus Alabama. <laughs> so let's see what Mother Angelica had to say about how the angels fight. We have another call. Hello? Sister? Yes. Um, I, I'm learning about St. Michael the Archangel. Okay. And, how, um, how old are you, I'm man? learning about him in school. Okay. And um, does he really fight the devil? Oh, yeah. He does. He does all the time. He did in heaven. See, the angels don't fight with swords. We just put a sword in his hand to indicate he's a warrior. They have intellectual battles. Did you ever see a debate? Do you know what a debate is? No? All right. Just say these two young boys here decided to debate on, on a football team. But you had one had Auburn and one had the state of Alabama. And you would talk and argue, and then the audience would decide which one of you had the best talk. Okay, that's a debate. Which one you made your points, which that's well that's a kind of battle that went on in heaven between the good angels and the bad ones. And Michael won by saying, Who is like God? And Lucifer was saying God had no right to come down the eternal word and become man. That was to him inferior. And Michael said, no, oh, God can do as he pleases. It is right. Who is like God? There is no one like God. So it was a battle. The same battle you fight when you're Say, for example, your mother makes a big jar of cookies 
And she said, now don't eat any of these cookies because you're going to spoil your dinner. Did your mother ever tell you that? She did. Uh-huh. But she leaves the kitchen. And she goes to the store to get a loaf of bread. And in this great big jar is these hot cookies. And you lift the lid up and you take it off. And something says to you, uh-uh. Your mother said no. Now, if you love your mother, you'll put the jar back on. But if you love yourself more than your mother, you'll take a cookie out. Well, that's kind of what happened in heaven. The Lord God said that the eternal word would become man. And Lucifer and his angels said, no, it's not right. So they argued back and forth. And good angels said, hey, God can do as he pleases. So your mother has a right to say to you, you cannot have these cookies. And if you take one, you're saying, no, you don't have a right to say that. I want a cookie. So it's a battle of wills. God's will, the angel's will, God's will, man's will. And closing out this week's program, we have to cling to Jesus. That seems obvious, but the uh, mm-hmm. person was asking about it. Yeah, and especially as we're approaching death, and that's what Mother is talking about here, God is the author of life and in death, and his timing is perfect. So we entrust the beginning of our life. Of course, we didn't know that we're coming into existence, but we also entrust the end of our lives because he's the author of life and death. And, you know, Bishop Sheen, toward the end of his life, talked about his death to the chagrin of some of his friends, but he said, it's not that I don't love life, I do, but I want to see the Lord. And that's what Mother's saying here, is that when you know the Lord, you love the Lord, you're not afraid of death because you're going to be with him. Right, and I think that idea of ultimately, of course, there's always the natural fear Mm -hmm. of the unknown, but there is that sense uh, that as a a believer, you have that ability to overcome Mm -hmm. that. And you see so many people in society today who don't have that, who are terrified. Right. And if we know the Lord today and that, that intimacy with him, that union with him grows each day, then the longing grows, the longing to be with him, like I referred to Bishop Sheen. And we'll find that in ourselves, too, that death will be less fearsome because we long to be with him. Right. But we've got to remember, we have to cling to Jesus. We have a call. Hello? Hi, I'm Mary Kate, and um, see, there was this girl in my class and her name was Jamie. And see, she, her mother had a brain tumor, and she died in September, and I'm worried about my mom. Is your, is your mother ill, honey? No. Then don't worry about her. Okay. Not all moms have brain tumors. See, our system, our body is made different. And I think what you're afraid of is death. Is that what you're afraid of? Yes. Yeah. Never be afraid of death, honey. Death is that wonderful time in our life. We live a certain amount of time that God has allotted us, and we cannot interfere with that. You can't take your life before God has destined for you to go to him. And so we have to, we have to understand that when the Lord calls us, that's when we're ready. And that time of death 
is wonderful because I see Jesus face to face. Can you imagine that? Huh? Can you imagine seeing Jesus face to face? And I, I see myself as I am. I see all the things I hadn't done or should have done. But that face of Jesus makes me love him with an unbelievable love. So you should never be afraid of death. And I want to address the little friend of yours, maybe she's listening, who lost her mother. That's a very hard thing to lose your mother. But I want you to cling to Mary because the mother of Jesus is now your mother. She's your mother, just as she's mine. And, and we, have to, we have to know and to understand that if, if the Lord takes, he also gives. You know, just as Zacchaeus clung to Jesus, didn't he, huh? He really clung to Jesus. You and I have to cling to Jesus. We just have to hug him tight. We have to depend upon Jesus. We have to pray to Jesus. We have to love Jesus. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.